This afternoon we're looking once again at the subject uh, wise in their own conceit or perhaps another thought conscientious versus being uh, maybe even the word contentious or conceited versus being conscientious. There's a statement that is found five times in Proverbs. Four times it's translated wise in their own conceit. And once it is translated be not wise in thine own eyes. The word conceit in the English is the Hebrew word eyes. So they, they translate it conceit and they're actually in that translation making a statement of, of uh, their own comment. It's a commentary. And they're correct to interpret wise in their own eyes as being self uh, you might call a wise guy wise in their own eyes. In other words, the Lord is saying they're not wise according to God's Word is concerned. They're wise concerning their own understanding. And that can be dangerous if we're not wise in the Lord's eyes. Because, for instance, it says there's a way which seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death. There are people that are absolutely convinced that the way they're taking is the right way but the Bible says it could very well be a dead end. Have you ever gone down a road and you thought without any bad in an eye that you're on the right road and you find out it's a, a dead end? Or you're on a road and you find out you've been traveling the wrong road? I think I shared that we were headed to Pittsburgh from here and we were on 79. I've taken... Uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, we were on 90 West, and we've taken that. We had taken that that road to Pittsburgh and West Virginia many times. So it went 90 to 79 South, and I think I was being talkative. And the next thing I know, it says "Welcome to Ohio," and 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 it it reminded me of that because recently we took the 90 to Ohio. And it was a long way from 79 South to Welcome to Ohio. So we were out of the way for 20 miles before we recognized we were on the wrong road. But that's, that's a waste of a few dollars of gasoline in a few moments of time. But no one can afford to be on the wrong road eternally because once death comes, there's, there's no second chance to get on the right road. And so we need to make sure we're in the right way. Jesus says He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to heaven but through Jesus. But there are those, and Proverbs is a a book of wisdom. And Proverbs warns particularly three groups of people, the simple, the fool, and the scorner. And they seem to get worse from there. The fool has hope in the book of Proverbs. I'm sorry, the simple person is the naive person who has much hope. As far as Proverbs is concerned, the fool is getting worse. 
he has hope, but he's becoming hopeless. And the scorner is rarely turned from that position. He's like the reprobate, like the person who's gone too far. And so we're given those that are wise in their own conceit um, in chapter 3 and verse 7 it says don't be wise in your own eyes so that verse actually translates the word eyes which is the Hebrew word there correctly and then the, the other four times the, the phrase is found it's translated wise in their own conceit so they translate the word eyes with the word conceit but you see the correctness of their translation, at least the understanding of it. A person wise in his own eyes is conceited. A conceited person is a person that boasts in his own wisdom, in his own um, understanding, and yet he's, he's off course. And so we looked at that portion, wise in their own conceit, last Lord's Day. In chapters 26, verse 5, a fool who's wise in his own conceit can be turned away from that to become truly wise. And so it says we're to answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So you see there's a hope, there's hope for a fool according to 26, 5. Um, then you have chapter 26 and verse 12. A person who's wise in his own conceit, there's more hope of a fool than of him. And so it seems to say that the person's crossed over. In verse 5, it's preventing a fool from becoming wise in his own conceit. But verse 12, the person has already become wise in his own conceit and he's becoming hopeless. He's going in the direction of hopelessness. And then the final two times that you have wise in their own eyes is Verse 16, and he gives two particular examples. The slothful person and the, we might call the self-conceited rich person. Chapter 26 and verse 16, the slugger is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. This person is, is, is so self-conceited, you might say, that he won't take any advice from seven people that have good advice. In other words, he, he, the slothful person is uh, someone, for instance, that won't work. He can work, but he won't. And seven people, even if they tried to reason with him about the, the uh, ethics of working hard, providing for your own and having enough to give to those that are in need and so on, glorifying God and following the creation mandate of work by the sweat of your face, they have other reasons. For instance, like they have excuses. A lion might be in the street. I might get hit by a car. I might get hurt at work. Or I might, I, I might uh, develop some kind of illness. So they're full of excuses. That's one reason that they give to continue to be uh, lazy. So the lazy person is someone who is wise in his own eyes. We all need to guard against uh, being lazy or being a sluggard. I mean, this, these are just two examples. Any sin that is overdone, that, is, that becomes a, a, a uh, 
um, what we might call an addiction, we can become wise in our own conceit or make excuses for being that kind of person, make excuses for our sin. And one is certainly worry. I'm just a worry, worrying person. But we know about, the Bible teaches that worrying is sin. It's unbelief in God. We need to not be worried, but pray. I know it's easier said than done, isn't it? Uh, worrying is a, a respectable sin in the church, but it's a sin. It, it mean, it's unbelief. It's not trusting the Lord to take care of our predicament that is really uh, making us frantic and fret. Um, so that's another example. And then the second of two examples of those that are wise in their own eyes is found in 28.11 where we read that uh, the rich man is wise in his own conceit, but the poor that hath understanding searcheth him out. Now this is not saying that every rich person is wise in their own conceit and every poor person is humble. We know that there are both. There are rich people that know how to handle their wealth and they're humble and generous like Abraham, like Job. And then we know there are poor people that are cantankerous and unbelieving and, and uh, bitter toward life. And there are examples of that uh, not only in the Bible but also in life. But this is talking about a, a wealthy person that is... Lit stepping over people because they're using their wealth as, as a, as, as a platform for their pride. Like the Bible says, they think it's a big wall in their own conceit. And, uh, they don't understand that it's gonna crumble at the time of death. I mean, think about people, for instance, like Steve Jobs, who, who spent millions trying to combat his fatal sickness and he succumbed to it. The sad part to me was when I heard that he was consulting some uh, Near Eastern religions for their uh, cures of his particular disease, and, and it didn't work. Uh, so conspicuously absent was hearing that he was asking for salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. He would have been healed of his spiritual sickness and been given eternal life. But... I'm not saying necessarily that he was wise in his own conceit, but in that sense he was, thinking that he could buy the best kind of treatment for his disease and that that would solve his sickness, and it didn't. But there are wealthy people that um, run roughshod over uh, the poor of, of people because they think that the dollar bill and the winter and the summer house and the Rolls Royce are positions of power. <laughs> but we know the Rolls Royce will get uh, moth and rust to corrupt it. Somebody could steal it easily. And uh, we understand that the winter and the summer or the summer home or any home can burn down by just a match. And uh, some of us have the experience of, of a burning house. And so we need to be humble. The poor man, it says, searcheth him out. In other words, this is talking about a humble, believing, poor person that sees that this man is conceited and that he's a fool to trust in his riches as a platform for power because he knows that riches can gather wings and fly away. Health can gather wings and fly away. And sooner or later, you're going to die. 
And you can't take that Rolls Royce with you, even though you might be buried in it. And you've heard about people that have been buried in their cars. And uh, they aren't going to be driving them in the future. And we understand that those vehicles have have been gathering uh, rust. They pulled up a vehicle that was 40 years, I think, in the bottom of a river. And it didn't have too much semblance of a vehicle anymore. So we understand that time alone is going to show how, how uh, fragile, how, how uh, temporal this world is. So wise in their, your own eyes is a, is, a, is a warning in Proverbs. But there are uh, three other kinds of wisdom that, generally speaking, we need to adopt. And really, I'm going to go from kind of like uh, according to, to thought. And experience. You have the wise of heart. You have the wise of the ear, the ear of the wise, and you have the tongue of the wise. You see the development of that thought. The heart has to be wise first. The ear to listen. And then the tongue to be able to speak wisdom. It starts in the heart. It starts deep. Remember what Jesus said. Out of the heart proceeds virtue or vice. It's not what a man puts into his mouth. Remember, they were all upset because Jesus or His disciples didn't eat with washed hands. The Lord wasn't teaching us to uh, soil our hands on purpose and eat. But you know, there are times that you don't have a place or you're eating and you're not washing your hands all day long. I don't know if you've ever been strawberry picking. We're not waiting to wash our hands to put a strawberry in our mouth. Or if you've ever been blueberry picking, uh, you're not so worried even if there's been some chemicals sprayed because sooner or later you're going to die of something. But I'm not saying that you ought not wash your blueberries or strawberries when you take them home. But I don't have a problem eating a few blueberries. Uh, They should probably weigh us before we go out and pick because we we probably eat more than we pick. But... Um, I'm off the, I know I'm on a rabbit trail. Let's get back on, on course here. So the wise of heart, the wise of ear, and the wise of tongue. Briefly, you know the, the uh, thoughts this afternoon. So please, you're not supposed to really give your points before you preach them because then people go to sleep because they, they've already got the sermon in their mind. So uh, not, we're not to be wise in our own eyes but wise of heart, to have the ear of the wise and the tongue of the wise. Now again, this is a general thought where the Bible gives us many words of wisdom, many actions that are wise, many reactions that are wise, and that's throughout the book of Proverbs. But generally speaking, Proverbs is saying, first of all, get a wise heart. Avoid self-conceit. Wise in your own eyes. Get a wise heart. What is the Bible? You factor all the rest of the Bible. What's a wise heart? A heart that's been changed. A circumcised heart, as Jeremiah spoke of. Paul spoke of the circumcision of the heart and not of the flesh. And Ezekiel speaks about a new heart. A new heart will I put in you. And that's what really it means, the heart of the wise. And that expression is found four times in Proverbs beginning with chapter 10 in verse 8. 
the heart of the wise. Actually, one time it's called, uh, I'm sorry, the wise of heart is, is found three times. The heart of the wise is found once. But they're all referring to the same thing. Chapter 10 and verse 8. Chapter 10 and verse 8. The wise in heart will receive commandments, but a prating fool will fall. So, a wise person who's a wise in heart has received God's Word, received God's commandments. For instance, you must be born again. Uh, be reconciled to God. Be saved. All the ends of the earth. So, a person who is wise in heart is a person who's listening to God's Word and his heart has been changed. 11.29 he that troubles his own house shall inherit the wind, but the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. And so what the Lord is saying there is a person that has a wise heart is a person who's really in a, in a, uh, a position to discern. He's in a very elevated position in the sense that, not that he's proud, but that he's discerning like the poor man who, who's discerning the wise of heart, or the, the the wise in his own eyes, it's simply saying that um, the wise of heart will rule over the fool. Not again that he's that he's uh, an, he's arrogant, or that he's looking down at the fool. It's just saying that he has a a better position, and not, I'm trying to find a better adjective. He, but he's, he's, he's in a, uh, a position to discern between good and evil, to discern that the fool is really in a poor, uh, evil position. And he knows the Lord and he knows the difference between good and evil and, and holy and unholy. And so he is uh, a person that is to be looked up to and sought for advice. And then chapter 16 and 21... 16.21 The wise in heart shall be called prudent and the sweetness of the lips increases learning. And so this is one of those proverbs that adds first the second statement adds to the first statement. They call it synonymous parallelism. Or, I'm sorry, they call it um, not synonymous. Synonymous is the first and the second uh, por- portions of the proverb are, are the same. It, it's called and I, I can't pull it out now, synthetic parallelism where the second statement um, adds to the first. And what it's saying here in chapter 16 and 21 is the wise in heart is a prudent person. I mean, it's kind of simile, uh, somewhat redundant, but the word prudent is saying that the wise person is in uh, a category that's very rare. It's, it's a category of someone who's prudent, who has a way, who has the understanding to counsel someone in great need. And the second part of the statement is, is kind of defining why he's prudent, why he's wise in heart. And it's because he keeps increasing uh, in learning. He's, he's got a, he's got a, uh, a listening ear. So isn't it interesting how verse 21 actually gives you the heart, the ear, and the lips. All three together. He's wise in heart. 
he's able to speak sweetness with his lips because he's had an because he's had a listening ear because he increased in learning and learning is coming through the ear gate so really it gives us all three thoughts in verse 21 the heart the ear and the lips which proverbs indicates and then chapter 16:23 the heart of the wise see the difference it's really similar Verse 21 is the wise in heart. Verse 23 is the heart of the wise. They're saying the same thing. And the heart of the wise in verse 23 teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. So it's telling us that it's kind of like a, a cycle. He's got a, wise, he's got a wise heart because he's got a listening ear. He's got a listening ear because he has a wise heart. You see how both are true. Why do you listen to the truth? Because your heart's been changed. And why is your heart changed? Because God caused you to listen to the truth. And so it's kind of a cycle that continues for the person that's in the Lord. And then the ear of the wise is found in one place. Chapter 18, verse 15. Although the thought is everywhere. My son, hear my words. There's all kinds of verses about the need of listening to the truth. But this actually says in chapter 18 and verse 15, the heart of the prudent getteth knowledge and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. But you see again, the heart, doesn't say the heart of the wise here, but the word prudent is a synonym. Prudence seems to be a little bit advanced than the word for wise. But it's saying here that the heart and the ear go together. The heart of the prudent gets knowledge. Why? Because he's listening. He's got a listening ear that seeks knowledge. So again, you see the, the cause and effect and the effect and the cause. The ear of the wise. And do we have a wise heart, for instance? The challenge is, is our heart changed? Not just talking about someone who has intelligence. There are intelligent people that are foolish. They've rejected the gospel because they think they're intelligent. They think they're too wise for God. They think they're too smart to be called a sinner. It's beneath them to be called a sinner. Remember the story of Sheffy, the circuit-riding preacher. His aunt was a very well-to-do woman, very wealthy, and and she was religious, but she wasn't humble. She wasn't of the persuasion that we needed to be born again. And, and uh, Sheffy turned up at some, uh, some, back, some, some meeting in the back of some building and the fire was going in the fireplace and this old preacher was just doing the best he could to preach. And Sheffy and his friends went there to throw apples at the guy. And as his as the man began to preach, the Lord began to strike Sheffy's heart. And his three friends began to throw apples at the preacher. And Sheffy finally wanted to hear more of the preacher. He didn't want the preacher to stop. And so, you remember, he puts the bucket over the guy's head. And uh, his, three, his three friends list, uh, leave and he listens. And when he went home to tell his aunt, because his, his parents had died and she had taken him in, that he had been saved, she was highly offended. We aren't those, those breast-beating sinners. 
And he said, he said, Aunt, he said, we're sinners and we need to be saved. And of course, you remember the woman that used to come and listen to the preachers as they had those tent meetings and she was a well-to-do woman that rode her horse sideways. And, and uh, she came down the, from her estate that was up on the hill and she'd come and she'd be, in the, be out in the shadows listening. And Sheffy one evening said, I think I'm just going to go up in the woods and pray while you guys preach. Well, as he went outside, there she was on her white horse. And he said, would you like to come in to the meeting? Me? Are you kidding me? I'd be the laughing stock of the town. And anyway, the story goes that, that she gave him uh, a red rose. And she said, not until you get the white rose will I have been persuaded or something like that. So she would give him a red rose. But after he died, and they had a graveside service and everyone was leaving. Here comes this well-to-do woman, stands up at the grave, at the, at the hole, and throws her white rose in. The Lord had won her soul, but not until after Sheffy died. And you know, that's the way when you think of the Lord Jesus. His, his brothers didn't believe until after he died. But, I don't know why we got onto that story. I do this, I guess, but there is application somehow, some way. I'm getting back. I didn't catch the rabbit. But a the ear of the wise, that's that will come. Uh, it, 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 may I say it's a cause and an effect? I understand it's not just a recipe. If I listen to the Bible, I'll get saved. No, the Lord will give you a listening ear because faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. And then He'll change your heart. And once you get a changed heart, you'll have a listening ear. Or the challenge will always be the Christian is a someone who's listening to God's Word. That's an everyday occurrence. Lord, open my eyes to behold wondrous things from Your Word. Lord, speak for Thy servant is listening. And so... You got to listen to God's word, humanly speaking, in order to be saved, because the word has to get in. It gets in through the ear gate, changes the heart. Once your heart is changed, you realize you continue to need the word. You continue to want to listen. And that's a reason why we give to people who've been converted to attend public worship services, because they're being taught, they're being fed God's word, and plus it's scriptural. The Lord added to the church. Daily, such as being saved. We ought not to neglect public worship. As Hebrews says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of summons. We need fellowship. We need to worship the Lord. We need to hear God's Word. And not until we have a wise heart and a listening ear are we really able to have the tongue of the wise. And that's found four times. Three times it's called, I'm sorry, twice it's called the tongue of the wise and twice it's called the lips of the wise. But again, those are similar experiences. Chapter 12, similar words. Chapter 12 and verse 18. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. See the difference? Someone who doesn't have a wise heart speaks like the piercings of a sword. They speak before they think. 
They're not careful to use spiritual tact. That they aren't careful to pray before they say something. God, give us the tongue of the wise that's healing. It's health. But the tongue comes after the heart and after the ear. The tongue of the wise. Chapter 14, verse 3. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. So again, you see the, wise, the, the foolish uses his tongue like somebody would use a, a club. He clubs people. He doesn't think before he speaks. And, and pierces with his tongue and clobbers with his tongue. And you know people like that. They, they, you just don't want them to open their mouth because Proverbs will often say this, the fool opens his mouth. He utters all his mind. Where the Bible says that the prudent think before they speak. They, we pray before we speak. We're to be careful before we speak. And uh, I mean, there have been some, some embarrassing but funny things, but I've learned in the past to be very careful before I speak. And not say something that would be embarrassing. Well, just a funny thing that happened a couple of years ago. I went to a, a vegetable stand, and I was convinced that this couple was a was a familiar couple. I must have only seen them from the side. And I said, "Well, what do you know?" And they both looked at me, and I said, "Oops, they're not the couple I thought they were." And I. I Put my foot in my mouth. I said, I'm so sorry. I thought that you were a familiar couple. And so as they left, they were kind. They said, what do you know? Have a nice day. <laughs> well, at the reception yesterday, I thought a woman was who she was. But I didn't ask her who she was because I was afraid I was going to put my foot in my mouth. So we're standing in line. And I said, I think that this woman to myself is who I think she is. But I'm not going to do it. So she went to sit down in the, in the room where everybody was, and I saw somebody that knew her, and I said, isn't that Mrs. So-and-so? Oh, yeah, sure it is. And I went over to the table, and I said, man, we were just in line. I thought that you were so-and-so, but I was embarrassed to say. You should have said. I said, well, I've had too many embarrassing situations in the past. But that's just an example, and we're back on another rabbit trail. But the tongue of the wise is one who thinks praise before we speak. And Proverbs indicates that it is the result of someone who's wise of heart and has the ear of wisdom. Chapter 15, verse 2. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of the fools pours out foolishness. Now this is someone that will use the Scripture, use common sense and use the truth properly that we don't take scripture out of context for instance but you use scripture very carefully because you know you could use scripture in a, in a situation where you've misused it or you could say something some uh, you can use a, a, a scriptural a, a verse of scripture to someone who's sorrowing and, and, and it won't be profitable there has to be very care and concern like the the physician uses his scalpel to use God's Word. And for instance, you don't just use Romans 8.28 every time you see someone sorrowing. It's true that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. But that may not be the verse that's needed by someone who's broken of heart. He may know that in his soul. He's just dealing with the sorrow of it. 
the, the shock of it. And uh, you know, they were saying yesterday that in the funeral that probably the best thing not to say to the parents of of those of, the, of, of Abby was, are you are you okay? Because or how are you? They're not okay. They're okay in the sense that they know the Lord, but they're not okay. They're sorrowing. They're brokenhearted. And basically, the best thing you can do for someone like that is just to be there. Perhaps not even say a thing. And to be praying for them. And uh, But if we use Scripture, we've got to be careful we use it properly. Because um, we can misuse it. We can use Scripture wrongfully as a sword when it should be a medicine to the soul of the person. And notice before that, it showed the difference about the tongue of the wise versus the tongue of the foolish. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous, harsh words stir up anger. And so there's the, verse 2 is, is describing the two that are mentioned in verse 1. And finally, verse 7, chapter 15, it says... Not this time the, the tongue of the wise, but the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of fools do, does, uh, doeth not so. And so, a person who has a wise heart and has had a, a wise ear, a listening ear, is someone that is going to be able to be very careful with his tongue. And what he disperses is not um, chaos and trouble, he disperses knowledge. He disperses help to people. He disperses help to the lost, help to the sorrowing, help to the wise. And you and I want to have true wisdom. We don't want to be conceited. God, forgive our, our arrogance, our, our conceit, being wise in our own eyes. And we want to be conscientious. We want to be wise. We don't want to be contentious. And we don't want to be conceited. Lord, give us, first of all, a wise heart, a wise ear to listen, and give us a wise tongue, wise lips, that we might be able to minister to souls in whatever condition they might be in. The heart of the wise, the ear of the wise, and the tongue of the wise. And God bless His Word. Lord, thank You for the book of wisdom, the books of wisdom. We feel, Lord, we're still in first grade regarding wisdom. And we need, Lord, we need to be taught. We need to be changed. We need to become wise. Forgive our foolishness. Forgive our pride. Forgive when we are wise in our own eyes. As you said earlier, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. So we pray that that as we as we fellowship together, as we as we worship thee, as we we interact with souls this week, that we might first of all have had our hearts cleansed and, and our hearts. And, our hearts of wisdom we would have been listening to your word and if you would have us to speak Lord that there would be words of wisdom 
and knowledge and understanding and help and healing to to souls that are made in your image. Lord, your word is such a deep, deep mine, with jewels rich and rare. Help us, Lord, to mine them out. Pray that we would be changed by them. Be humble and helpful people. In Jesus' name, amen.